0: Hi, this is Melissa Gilbert, and you are listening to the Pop Culture Preservation Society. This is when I ran out of my bedroom, where I was watching the Academy Awards on my thirteen-inch black and white portable Panasonic TV, which I pulled into my bedroom, and I shouted to my family, "Kramer versus Kramer is the winner! Kramer (laughs) versus Kramer is the winner!" And I don't really think they cared. Like, I I did not get the response that I was looking for, but it was really, really important to me.
1: Hello
2: world, is a song that we're singing, come on get happy, a whole lot of love is
0: what we'll be bringing, we'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who started babysitting before they were old enough to stay home by themselves.
2: <laughs> we believe our...
3: Sorry. I just thought that was so clever. It's a very clever one, yeah. (laughs) Okay.
2: We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be saving the movie that predicted the future
3: of millions of Gen X children, Kramer vs. Kramer. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists.
2: That music. Oh, that I know. As soon as that started, I was in the movie.
0: Okay, and I had forgotten mm-hmm. about that. Kramer vs. Kramer, the divorce drama starring Dustin Hoffman and a young Meryl Streep, opened on December 19, 1979, right in the middle of my 6th grade year, right when I was becoming cognizant of people's family situations, most notably whether or not there was a dad in the home. And after its release, it quickly became more than a movie. It was, according to Vanity Fair, a cultural benchmark, a snapshot of the fractured American family. So my parents were married, but I was strangely fascinated with this movie, and I was deeply invested in its success, maybe because of this growing awareness that I had of other people's family situations, or maybe because I was being let into the adult world of dramatic movies for the first time, and I felt ready for it. Did you guys see the movie when it came out? Were you aware of it?
2: Yes, I saw that movie. I saw it with my best friend, her mom, and my mom. So the four of us went together, which I thought was really interesting now looking back. Because as you just said, um, Kristen, it was this adult world, a dramatic mm-hmm. movie that was all about adults. Yet my mom and Debbie's mom thought, yeah, let's bring our teenage girls with us, <laughs> which I thought was um was really interesting. And I'll add on to that that I asked Andy if he had ever seen it, and he said, "Oh yes, I saw it on Christmas night 1979. Our wow. whole family, they made a tradition of going to movies on Christmas night, and the whole Cochrane clan went to see Kramer versus Kramer, which wow. isn't that an interesting choice for yeah. Christmas night? Merry Christmas." But yeah, you know, um, I don't know about you guys, but um so many of the people I know saw it with their parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And I think yeah. part of that could be that um, in those days, we just didn't have so many movies to choose from. And you saw what was in the theater, and it was rated PG. Right. Right. yeah. And so we it
2: have gone. I wouldn't have Even chosen that for a winter. Right. you know, on winter break with my friends. That's not a choice I'm going to make when I get dropped off at the movie theater. So I'm right. not going right. to probably see Kramer versus Kramer unless – I'm going with an adult, like a parent, Mm -hmm. who says, let's go to the movies together and see this. I would not have seen it on my own, I don't think. Yeah.
3: And I feel like I don't don't think I saw the movie when it came out, like in the theater, although it's certainly possible. I mean, I'd seen Annie Hall with my mom in 1977, so, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Although my memories of that time nineteen seventy nine so i december nineteen seventy nine I'm ten my memories of it is are like you just said, Carolyn, that was a movie that we went and saw, and I think it has something to do with what you just said, Kristen, because there weren't a ton for yeah. me. it was all about Billy, it was all about yeah. the little boy. I just know that I have very definite feelings. Yeah. Um, and memories of sadness and weight associated with this movie. Mm-hmm. I just also know I saw it multiple times. So you
0: probably saw it too at home, on HBO, on VHS. Thought, well, we didn't.
3: Yeah, somehow. And it mm-hmm. really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter when I saw it, where right. I saw
0: it. Like you
3: you guys just said, it's entirely possible it was in the theater because I, it's a 54-year-old me going, well, I wouldn't have seen that in the theater. I was going to see something like Grease or you know, a Not movie like that. Our parents just no, dragged us along. it was a along. movie. This was a movie, mm-hmm. though, that was talked about,
2: and we all saw that. Yes. All yes. the kids right. saw mm-hmm. it. Everybody
3: listening right now is probably nodding their heads going, oh, yeah, I saw right. that in the Isn't theater it, yeah, when I was eight, I mean, nine,
2: ten. Right, and I think, you know, to your point, Kristen, there probably weren't a whole lot of choices. But at the same time, I'm interested to know how many of our followers, because I think so many know this movie. So their parents probably made a choice that we are going to – bring our kids along. Because my parents went to the movies by themselves all the time. It wasn't like they would have needed to get a babysitter for me if they Mm -hmm. were going to go to the movies. Um, And it was interesting that my mom chose to see it with with another girlfriend. Like, she didn't go with my dad. It was like a girl's night out. Mm -hmm. And I only think I saw it once up until two nights ago, three nights ago when I watched it again. But oh my gosh, I cannot believe how much I remembered of it. Like this movie, I think, because what you said, um, Michelle, it just, it affected me so deeply. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't even put words to it. I've been trying to think of how to describe this to you. I can only say that when I saw it, I'd only seen two other movies that had affected me so deeply, and that would have been Brian's Song and Love Story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it was that realization that you can love something so much- and yet you can still lose it. Like no yeah. matter how much you love something, it's it can go away so quickly, whether it's, you yeah. know, Billy or it's Allie McGraw or it's Brian Piccolo. I don't know. But it it was this deep sense, like a guttural ache that I have when I watched it the other night. Like that's how much it affected me. And I remembered it. I remembered like what the next line was gonna be. And honestly, yeah, I isn't that I've that seen bizarre? It once.
0: Gosh. Because I have not, I did not have HBO. I did not have this on VHS. I might have seen it on, you know, on somebody else's VHS somewhere at some point. But in my memory, I've only seen it the one time in the theater. And I, just like you, could remember an expression. Mm -hmm. I knew what was coming next. I knew the words that would be spoken next. I am so fascinated with how that gets into your brain. And it must have something to do with how it was tapping into our emotions. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the successes of this movie. For me, it was it was probably the first adult drama that I saw. And I went with my dad, who clearly thought this adult divorce drama was accessible to me. And he wasn't wrong, because I was totally taken with the story. And we left my sister at home with a babysitter. I don't know where the rest of my family was. And um, my friend Harmony was going to be babysitting my sister. And in the middle of the movie, they silenced the movie. And an announcement comes over the loudspeaker. Would Gordon Nilsson please come <gasps> to the lobby for oh, a phone call? Gordon Nilsson, please come to the lobby. Oh my gosh. So Harmony the babysitter was calling the theater. Remember how you would always yes. leave the phone number for the oh, babysitter? Yeah, yes. Yes. From the restaurant, you're the restaurant. we're going the- to the movies and yes. here's the movie theater and number. And here's the movie theater. Oh, but gosh. you never called those numbers because that's what you did for an emergency. Right, so well. of course I'm like, <gasps> what has happened to my sister? and he is like you stay here i'll go out in the lobby so apparently what had happened was um, the, we had a big collie dog and the dog she said the dog wouldn't let her off the bed
3: she wait <laughs> she was trapped on the, like, the she said holding she was her hostage. Hostage. on the bed
0: yeah she said she was sitting on my parents bed and the, she said the dog was barking at her and growling at her when she tried to get off the bed and oh, she probably, called the theater. Well,
2: that's kind of scary. On the bed, I never sat on the bed of the people like that I babysat for. That's like.
0: Do you think that's why the dog was angry?
2: Uh, I do. <laughs> who goes into the, the parents' bedroom and sits on the bed? I have an issue with that. Harmony. If you're okay, listening. but also in defense of Harmony,
3: if she didn't come from a dog family, she we didn't need to explore this. Yeah, she but didn't. I just <laughs> yeah. Let's unpack this for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Listeners, forget about Kramer versus that's Kramer. Right. We've taken a totally that's hard Harmony turn on that bed. I'm just thinking, as someone who didn't come from a dog. Family, if your dog was growling and barking, that's kind of scary. Maybe it had. Yeah, she on was for terrified. Yeah, and I,
0: and my dad was very nonplussed, and he just told her, "It's fine. The dog's not going to hurt you. Just get off the bed." And clearly, <laughs> it was fine. But to your point, she didn't have a dog, and so she thought this was like a wild animal that was going to attack her when she tried to get off the bed. So, I so my heart is racing, and I have to get back into this movie, which we successfully yeah. did. But it's a memory that I'll never get well, rid of because you are like somebody died, somebody died, my house burned down. You and know, Harmony's we, calling the theater to tell us that the house burned down. We need, like, dissected. We need
3: Harmony. Could you call in, please? And yeah, right? see if you. Because this could be, like, a really traumatic experience that she still, mm-hmm. to this day, is in therapy over. It's quite possible. Uh, can we just go back now, just quickly, to And then we'll get back to Harmony, everyone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Yep. But I just wanted to go back to Kramer versus Kramer for a second. <laughs> um, what you guys were just saying made me think, it's possible I didn't see it multiple times now, because we didn't have HBO. We didn't, you know... Mm-hmm. Maybe it's it's stuck with me just because the one or two times I saw it and I'll I'll get into that in a little bit about mm-hmm. why this movie resonated with me and it hit me so hard but Do you guys remember too? This wasn't unusual during this time for movies like this where it's like a big star, but then they throw a kid in and Mm -hmm. our parents are like, they want to go to the movies. It's PG. They take us. I just what the one that came to mind instantly that I also saw in the theater. I don't know what year it came out, but probably age eight or nine was the goodbye girl. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. One of my favorite movies, right? I'll Mm -hmm. rewatch that again once a year. And then you throw in, you know, the cute little girl and, uh, you know, Quinn Cummings, who we all adored. We all wanted to be Lucy, right? Right. Well, and let's be honest. Our parents
0: were not going, oh, I think the kids would enjoy this film. They're going, it's PG. My kids are allowed. And there's a child right. in it, so yeah, we're up for it because be that's different. what the yeah.
3: movies—that's mm-hmm. what the movies were like. But right. this, so, so Kramer versus Kramer was kind of along that same vein, really. Yeah, totally, sure. it was.
0: Yeah, for sure. So when the film came out, it had only been ten years since California became the first state to pass a no-fault divorce law, which meant that you could file for divorce without any claim of wrongdoing. Prior to that, you had to prove in a court of law that someone had done something that deemed them unworthy of your partner. You had to prove that you had the right to divorce them. So clearly, this allowed for much easier divorces, and the divorce rate soared. Women, in particular, were being given permission, essentially, to leave unhappy marriages simply because they were unhappy, whereas prior to that, I think the word trapped is probably how a lot of unhappy people felt, and we focus a lot on women because the women's liberation movement had grown out of the restrictions that society had set up for them, which was not a recipe For happiness for many. For many people, it felt like you were basically giving up opportunities for growth and fulfillment in exchange for spending long days with small children. Um, You know, while your husband climbs the corporate ladder and gets increasingly compensated for his labor and comes home to beautiful children cared for by somebody else. Equals divorce. (laughs) So maybe this is one of the reasons that Kramer versus Kramer was so successful. Mm-hmm. The U.S. gross of Kramer versus Kramer would total more than $106 million, making it the biggest domestic moneymaker of 1979. Remember, it didn't come out until December 19th. Yes, that's, that's the crazy. Biggest moneymaker. Beating out. Much more likely candidates like Star Trek and Alien. It made more money than Alien. This was a blockbuster. And I just want to compare that for a moment to what would be a blockbuster today. Barbie aside, because Barbie has so many more legs. So we're gonna take Barbie out of the equation. But today you're talking about Marvel. You're Mm -hmm. talking about action movies. You're talking about sequels, series movies. Today Kramer versus Kramer would be considered an independent film. I was just about to say those are like the
3: independent films now. Yeah.
2: Right. And you think of those blockbusters you mentioned now, Kristen. They have like mega stars. Like, yes. we know those people. They're in front of us all the time. It's, you know, that's another reason you're going is to see all of these people. Those Marvel movies, they have like 10 super, yes. you know, mega stars in it. In this case, really, Dustin Hoffman was the only name we would one. have known, you know, would have been mm-hmm. a name that anyone had heard of. So, yeah, and that's another interesting fact to this movie. It's not like we were. Our, we were going or our parents were going to see this you know long list of mega stars right. unlike today's um, mega movies
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. One person. Right. So the um, it just and it makes me a little bit sad about <laughs> society today. To be honest, like, oh, yeah. are we not given opportunities to think and feel and talk about things on a grand scale? And instead, all we can do is sit there and be entertained, and then we leave, and there's nothing to talk about. Right.
2: What do you talk about? What do you talk I,
0: about after a Marvel movie? I no totally offense agree. to the people who love Marvel. <laughs> no, Esca- escapism is great. And everybody deserves escapism, but where are the opportunities to have a nice conversation no. about the movie right. and to, to watch to to sit
3: there and be immersed for two hours in just a good story, yeah. just a story, a layered, complex yeah. story? When I mm-hmm. rewatched this last week uh, with Brian. Oh my gosh. We probably had a 30-minute discussion after. And he had seen it, uh, yeah, like you said, yeah. Andy went and saw it. Uh, he didn't go on Christmas night, but he's <laughs> like, oh yeah, I saw that in the theater. I mean, mm-hmm. he, a boy at age, you know, at the time he was, right. well, he was your age, Kristen. He's, you know, he was 11. Yeah, <laughs> Why did mm-hmm. he go see Kramer versus yep. Kramer? But what of an opportunity to have... A great either, and it could be a debate, but just to have a good discussion Mm -hmm. about. That's opportunity is a
0: great word to use. It, It provides opportunities for us to hash things out and think about how other people live, or maybe think about our own experience. It allows us to process. It allows us to get closer to people as we talk about these tough issues. You don't get closer to people talking about Marvel.
2: No, and speaking mm-hmm. of opportunity, these independent films now, they kind of go to these niche theaters. You know, yeah. they're not at the AMC Metroplex 16 mm-hmm. screen place that you have to kind of seek them out. Yeah. Um, and so. And if you don't live in
0: a metropolitan area, right, you're not you won't pray. see them. Mm-hmm.
2: Or they're straight to uh, streaming. Or there's yeah. that. True. And you have and if, to be able to afford streaming and have access to streaming stuff. Right. But too, also –
3: and you lose the movie experience oh, of yeah, being in the sure. and theater.
0: And the independent yeah. movies don't have PR budgets, so they might be on streaming. But how would you know? Right. Because nobody's telling you about it. Mm-hmm. This is a problem.
2: Back in oh, no. our day, just, it was so much better. Back
0: right. Then. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the story of Kramer versus Kramer is about an Upper East Side New York City family, the Kramers, Ted, Joanna, and six-year-old Billy, their son. Ted is a successful advertising executive, and Joanna stays at home with Billy. And when Ted comes home one day, he finds that Joanna is leaving him and Billy. She's not taking Billy. She is not happy. And she is going to California to figure things out. Ted, of course, is completely unprepared. He had no idea about her unhappiness and, frankly, doesn't care care to hear about it either. And he has no experience taking care of Billy. Billy knows this. He senses it. And he pushes the boundaries with Ted's authority, knowing full well that Ted has no parenting skills. (laughs) Their relationship is rocky and stressful. And Ted works to balance his big advertising job with single fatherhood. But over time, he and Billy find their rhythm, and this movie begins to be about a father and son repairing their relationship. And it's really quite beautiful. That is when Joanna comes back. She doesn't want Ted back, but she does want Billy. And a brutal custody battle ensues, giving the movie its name, Kramer versus Kramer. And that's when this movie becomes a courtroom drama. It's an extremely personal and painful courtroom drama because unlike other courtroom dramas, this one involves a family, not criminals, and we're not exactly sure who the bad guy is.
2: hmm uh-huh. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> 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 Man, you guys, this is how much I think this film impacted me. Um, my 13-year-old brain thought Meryl Streep was the bad guy, uh-huh. that Joanna was the bad or bad woman. Um. So much so that I figured out that is why I'm not a fan of Meryl Streep. Uh, that's my <gasps> hot take, everybody. Oh, okay, I mean, like God, God. that's I'll huge, Carolyn. Um, you know, and she'll be in it. Yeah, she's a great actress. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. She's but fine. I immediately when she, <laughs> she's when she when she comes on <laughs> the screen, fine. something in me just is like, Ugh. I don't care oh, if she's God. just this great. I don't care if she's in Mama Mia. I didn't even see Mama Mia, probably because of that. It it's,
0: imprinted it, on you. It, it did. It did.
2: It just oh, left this kind of. Oh, that anytime I'd see her face or hear her voice, um, it just didn't sit right. I know. Isn't that awful? I'm sorry, guys. No, and no, no, no it's all, not credit, all credit to Meryl Streep. Yeah. I mean, oh, I I it. It. Right. good job. Good yes. job, Meryl Streep. Streep. And I could not separate. My body can't separate that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what we're, we're going back that you've had this long and you saw it once and you've had yes. this decades long. Mm-hmm. It left a def- decades long mark on you. So yes, it Kristen, did. like you said, all credit to Meryl Streep, but mm-hmm. I find that really like powerful.
2: Right. Yeah. And even yeah. now I tried in this rewatch to like, okay, I'm going to see things from her side and maybe I, I could, I you mean, know, I could um logically and rationally, but somehow still inside me, little thirteen year old Carolyn is like, bitch, like I you know. do not do that. You're mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you use some of that stuff against, you know, against Dustin Hoffman and oh uh, yeah. So anyway, that's mm-hmm. that was my take. I, I was not torn really between the two of them. I thought I was coming to this conversation with
3: a really unpopular opinion and I'm I'm not, apparently. <laughs> Um, but um because my opinion comes from my own experience with the story. So my opinion is really authentic for me. And I was about to say I'm not gonna apologize for it, but Carolyn's like, <laughs> you don't have to, it's fine. No, nope. so Kristen, perhaps I'm not gonna apologize, but for me, um so Joanna's argument is that she left for Billy, right? So she could be a better mother, but a child won't see that ever. Um, So this is where it gets really muddy for me. As a child who was pulled in two directions pretty much from birth and ultimately was removed from seeing my father by my mother when he wanted me and my sister to live with him. Um, So we had a little custody issue. But I mean, and let's not forget to split the blame here. My father seemingly allowed it. I don't know because he died before I could talk to him again. But um, I've been broken for most of my life. And even as a 54-year-old adult, I cannot understand or even forgive Joanna's act. Um, For me, Joanna sacrificing Billy to better herself might have certainly been what she needed to do. And yes, in a roundabout way for Billy, um, he loses. And to me, it's selfish. And Joanna is the bad guy. And it's just so complicated and grave for me because I'm bringing a lot of my personal baggage to the situation. Mm-hmm. I felt like watching it as a 54-year-old woman last week, I tried really hard to see her side of it. And um, this was the 30-minute discussion Brian and I had. We just both... we It's complicated, right? But we both oh. agreed that when you become a mother, though... You have to put your child first. There had to have maybe been a way she could have still bettered herself without leaving him and leaving that mark on his life forever. Get therapy in New York City. Do I don't know. I don't know what the solution is because I didn't write the book or the movie. But it just, to me, no matter what she was trying to do or what her intentions were, Billy lost. And he will lose for the rest of his life. And I'm testament to that.
0: Yeah. It's not something that ever goes away. It becomes part of who you are. As I'll never the forget listening, that. What have people listening right mm-hmm. now are like, yeah, that became part of my story. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad I'm going last. Um, <laughs> I really was Team Ted, um, and I saw Meryl Streep as the bad guy in 1979 when I, when I saw it in sixth grade. But even mm-hmm. as a sixth grader, I had sympathy for her. I was I was crushed that she would leave her child because who could do that? Well, hello, men do it all the time. <laughs> How many of my friends had seen hadn't seen their dads in years? Men do it every day, but mm-hmm. we but we judge women more harshly. But I Mm -hmm. also wondered about um, how deep her sadness must be to make her do something like that. I didn't know about the loneliness of relinquishing your opportunities in order to take care of small children. I do now. Uh, I didn't know that was a thing, but I knew she had to figure out what was wrong and her poor kid was the victim of that conundrum. Now seeing it, for seeing it just this week for the first time, probably since 1979, I had a brand new take on it. It was a take that we couldn't have had in 1979. There is only one reason that a woman leaves her child. And that's if she thinks that child, it's if she thinks she is bad for the child. And that is textbook depression. Meryl Streep, I mean, Joanna, not Meryl Streep, Joanna was depressed. And When you think that the best thing for your child is for you to leave that child, of course, that's mythology. That's never going to be true unless you're horribly abusive. Even then, the leaving is going to be horribly scarring to your child. But for you to think that you are so small and unworthy as that your child would be better off without you is a hallmark of severe depression. Now, we didn't know that then. We had no idea. Today, we know what that is.
3: And that's why I feel like this issue, it's not black and white. It's so great. It's so muddy. And it's so complicated. And even as someone who came from a a situation, um, it's not even really similar, but the weight of Billy and the feelings and everything I I identified with, I can still see everything you just said, Kristen, Mm -hmm. and I can um, agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. There's just something in me that no matter how much therapy I've had or whatever, I will always... I'm not ever to the point yet where I can even forgive it cuz I don't know the whole yeah. story of even what happened in my family but all I know is how it affected me my whole yeah. life and how broken I've always felt and how sad and 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 why and and everything so um it's your that's complicated. in your heart. That it's lives hard. in your heart it, for you. Sure. Sure yeah. You mm-hmm. can't I can't say that my opinion and is right and yours is wrong. I can see both. Mm-hmm. I sure. just it's 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 complicated. It doesn't and make it any easier for the kids. No, and so it many doesn't. of these yeah. stories that you hear, not just and and maybe if they would have explored Meryl Streep's story a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, it we could have all gotten on board a little bit more with um, maybe feeling a little bit of sympathy, empathy, whatever yeah. for her. And, and then um, we exist. didn't hear a lot yeah. about. Um, about her except for that she was saying, um, you know, I was always taken care of by my father, I was that I was taken care of by my mm-hmm. husband, it's time for me to take care of myself. Had we gotten a little bit more of her, um, if she was suffering from depression, you, you do, yeah. I, I agree with you, yeah. you do, her friend alludes to it too, that she's been feeling this way for a long yeah, time and all this kind of me. stuff. Mm-hmm. I, all I know to say is that it's muddy, it's complicated, and I don't have an answer. All I, all I, We can all do is bring our own experience to it, yeah. for sure. There are and
0: no good answers. No, there are and no you know
2: what's interesting, as I listen to you, Michelle, um, how you just kind of saw it through Billy's eyes. I realize I kind of saw it through Dustin Hoffman's eyes. He's mm-hmm. the one that I felt for, like, how dare? You, he worked so hard. I think the unfair is going through my head the whole time. Again, you can love something so much. You can do the right things. You can become this better person, this better dad. You could still lose this thing that you loved. And Mm -hmm. yes, we can um, forgive or understand maybe where Meryl Streep's character was coming from. But you know what? She said when she was on that stand and in that Mm -hmm. courtroom, and they were she was a bitch. You're mean. I mean, I couldn't get over that part. It was so unfair. And I just ached for Dustin. I mean, and I ached for Billy too, but my just um, empathy really went like he was doing all the right stuff. He became this better person and still, still he was going to lose this child. And oh, well, although what would you do
0: Carolyn to get your child back? Would you throw somebody under the bus?
2: I wouldn't throw the dad. I wouldn't throw the, the, my child's dad under mm-hmm. the bus. Wow. I might throw his, my
3: mother-in-law. Coming from it, I don't know an experience where one of my, my, my mother or my father, they threw each other under the bus all the time. They mm-hmm. had such mm-hmm. a contentious relationship. But you said you're feeling for Dustin Hoffman. I think one of the reasons um, I, this movie stuck with me so much is because since I related to a lot of the heavy feelings Billy carried, I feel like I was probably at that age projecting myself onto him.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, sure. Yeah, and into him, sure. which is why mm-hmm.
3: all my memories of this movie are centered around Billy. When yeah. I watched it again the other night, I knew what he was going to do next. I knew how he was going to eat. I knew he was going to grab that ice cream. I knew mm-hmm. everything Billy was going to do. I didn't remember anything Dustin Hoffman or Meryl Streep was about to do, really. Wow. But everything was Billy. So if I saw it once, if I saw it 10 times, and let's not forget, this is also the year that this whole custody thing um, happened with yes. um, my parents oh, in God. 1979. Oh, so I'm can't seeing this movie. It. Yeah, uh, This movie comes out in December. The last time I saw my dad was in July of 1979, and I didn't know that oh at the time that that was going to be the last time I ever saw my dad. I was kept away from him, so this is all coming out right when all these feelings oh um, are so so big. Mm-hmm. I yeah. guess heavy in me. Yeah, um, not to say they're not. If you guys are people listening, are like, well, geez. How heavy must they have been if you still have them
0: so now? It's fine. It's no, fine. No, but that is so We're significant. The yes. timing of that could not have been more impactful for you, mm-hmm. Michelle. Mm-hmm. And that shows how all three of us come to it with different perspectives, Oh, too. yes. Right. And, and, you know, was it a childlike perspective? Was it your maturing perspective? Was It's so, so interesting Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. So much of our research is coming from a Vanity Fair article that excerpted the Meryl Streep biography called Her Again, Becoming Meryl Streep, which is by Michael Shulman. And in this article, they tell us that the story of Kramer versus Kramer is actually based on a novel by Avery Corman, who wanted to counteract the toxic rhetoric, I'm saying that with quotation marks around it, his words, that he had been hearing from feminists, who he felt lumped all men together as, again, his words, a whole bunch of bad guys. That's a pretty dark point of view. And in the end, I think that message of, I think it's safe to say, misogyny, really, it was altered in the movie. That message was altered to make a much more nuanced story. And the credit for that goes almost entirely to one person, and that is Meryl Streep.
2: Wow. That's incredible. And you know what? Can you imagine how different this movie would have been if Meryl Streep hadn't been cast in the role of Joanna? It Uh, it would have been a totally different Mm -hmm. film. Yeah. And you guys, she almost wasn't. She was not only not the first choice. She wasn't the second, the third, the fourth, (laughs) the fifth choice. Um, She was... Not even on the radar, let's just say. Her first uh, major film, Deer Hunter, had not been released yet, so she wasn't a name that the director had ever heard of. The first choice and the person they were going to was Kate Jackson. That kills me. Oh, yes. my gosh. That kills I me. Mean, I just want to let everyone yes. know, it's that Kate Jackson. It is yes. Raina Charlie's Angel. This is our Charlie's mm-hmm. Angel. She was the first choice. They felt like she had the name recognition, the beauty that they were looking for, and she was their go-to. But you guys, another serendipitous thing, I guess, Aaron Spelling would not let her out of the Charlie's Angels production schedule. It was, you think about it, it was Aaron Spelling that really changed the course of this yeah. movie. Had Kate Jackson yeah. been allowed to do the film, who knows? Um, and so I
0: love he, Kate Jackson. Oh, I'm, don't get I wrong. wanted to sure. be Sabrina, right? Sure. But that makes it, and again, no disrespect to Kate Jackson as an actor, but that pulls it into a movie of the week as opposed to
2: totally an, uh, an oscar winner it might have been a, maybe it would have been a blockbuster i don't know but it's a different movie oh, my gosh when you listen listen to just how different Merrill made it okay um luckily Merrill and the movie's director robert benton shared an agent and that man's name is sam Cohn, and sam convinced benton to give Meryl an audition, to at least let her get through the door.
0: Because they don't know who she is. They've right, never heard no. of this woman. No, they think
3: Isn't that weird, a world know, where no one's heard
2: of Meryl Streep? Crazy. Right. Totally crazy. Um, so imagine this. I just can only – I can picture this. Uh, she goes to the audition. She walks into this room full of men. And Dustin Hoffman asks her what she thinks of the story. So she's, you know, read the novel. And she told him this is what she thought. And she said it in no uncertain terms that they had the character of Joanna all wrong. She insisted that Joanna's reasons for leaving Ted, as it currently stood in the in the manuscript, they're just too hazy. We needed to understand, being the audience, why she comes back for custody. When she gives up Billy in that final scene, it should be for the boy's sake, not hers. Mm -hmm. The original storyline had Joanna as the villain, with her leaving Billy for selfish reasons, all focused on what she needed. And Meryl said, no, 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 no. This is not happening. That is not a true reflection of the real struggle that women are going through right now across the oh, country. God. Mm-hmm. And the audience should feel some sympathy for her, mm-hmm. even though Carolyn didn't. But
1: the, uh, the rest <laughs> of the
2: audience should. And if they wanted Meryl for this role, they needed to do rewrites. And that's her story, and that's what she told Ms. Magazine. So, wow. Can we just take a minute and say – What a pivotal moment this is for the movie. The entire plot trajectory was was refocused because Meryl Streep had the balls to go into this room full of men and say, "Uh, excuse me, you got this all wrong. Okay. This is a moment. Can we just take a moment? I might not like her as the character Joanna and as but I love her for this. I love her mm-hmm. for going yeah. in and saying, uh, "I'm not going to do this." And it's not like she was a big name, and like yeah, You're she was she no her power. Posture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so she had the um, the gumption, and now we can see that in all that she does. But I think we can say that her performance in the movie as Joanna was stellar. But I would argue that her brazen performance in that audition room, full of men, and asserting that she oh wouldn't gosh. even consider the part. Is her most important role in the making of Kramer versus Kramer. And
0: it elevated the movie from, again, a movie of the week. Right. A a, a woman who leaves her child because she wants to play tennis in California is a villain. And that's a made-for-TV movie. Meryl Streep turned it into an Oscar yep.
3: winner. She did. Yes. Yeah. And I love they say in the article that the, the like, director, the producer kind of looked at each other because they were like, does she know that she's in here to audition for The Neighbor, Margaret? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah.
2: Uh, Does right. she know that we'll this
3: isn't – and it wasn't it Dustin Hoffman who was like, no, that's Joanna.
2: Yeah. Right. You know, Dustin Hoffman was the one who said, that's our Joanna. Mm-hmm. And after reading this article, I kind of got to say, I don't know – if I still love Dustin Hoffman as much as I used to. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I do. (laughs) The reason that he says she's Mm -hmm. our Joanna, you know, part of it, I'm sure, is her on this soapbox saying all these things. But he also knew that she had just experienced um, a horrific uh, loss of her um, boyfriend of two years, and she was in the midst of incredible grief. And Mm -hmm. he knew that he could tap into that grief. God. Some not-so-nice ways to, um, to elicit that vulnerability and that fragility mm-hmm. yeah. that you were talking about in this character. Basically, he smelled
0: her weakness. He smelled her vulnerability, <sighs> yes. not her strength. That is what convinced him that she yes. had to be the Joanna. Mm-hmm. And I also have to point out that her boyfriend who died was um, – I can't remember his name. John but he played John Cazell. Thank you. Mm-hmm. He was Fredo. In yep. The Godfather. So mm-hmm. Fredo, I thought he got blown up in the boat in The Godfather 3, but no, Mike was like, no, he got shot. He got she went out fishing in the boat and he got shot. Well, no. and it was
3: also her co-star in The Deer Hunter as yes. well.
0: Um, yes. So yeah, they had had this um, beautiful
3: love story. And he, he tragically um, died of cancer and right before, you know, months, very, or, or like months before yeah. her audition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and despite of how great of an actor Dustin Hoffman was and how much everybody loved him in 1979. I mean, he was the hot thing. It does... It sounds like he was a real jackass to everyone during mm-hmm. filming. Um, in the name of
0: his art. Yes. Right? And while like, he yeah.
3: while he wanted Meryl Streep for the role of Joanna, once they began filming, he used all sorts of horrible tactics to draw emotions out of her and the other actors, namely little Justin Henry, who played Billy. A few examples. Um,
0: and we have to label this. This is method acting, right? So he... What, he He thinks he's not being a jackass. Mm -hmm. He thinks he's being a method actor. Really? Right, right, right. So, yeah.
2: yeah. So,
3: for instance. I So method acting.
2: But, yeah, let's chat about what he did. So, on the second
3: second day of filming, it's the elevator scene outside the apartment door, right when Meryl Streep leaves the beginning of the movie. And, obviously, there needs to be a lot of emotion on her part. So, um, Dustin's going to take it up on himself to make sure she is projecting the emotion that he feels she needs to be projecting. So right before her entrance, Dustin slapped her across the cheek. If you know this, you can see the red mark if you know to look. Because I had mm-hmm. read this before I rewatched it last week, and I was like, it's right there. I see the red mark on her cheek. Um, the director is aghast, thinks she's going to report them to the Screen Actors Guild. But it's Meryl Effing and she goes right on with the scene. She, she says her line, acting. and she delivers it with the emotion God. she was going to have that she had prepared yeah. anyway. Let's not forget this is the woman who walked in and pretty much changed the entire yeah, background right. of the character. Then, in her last tearful moments of that same scene, when Joanna tells Ted she doesn't love him anymore, the cameras are just on just on Meryl Streep. Outside the elevator and outside the shot, Dustin Hoffman starts jabbing her with remarks about John Cazal, her lover who had just died in real life of cancer. Goading her, talking about him, Meryl apparently went absolutely white, and she left in a rage. The director said, "Well, it's day two, and Kramer versus Kramer has just turned into Street versus. It's Hoffman. over. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. uh, But it's, there's shocking. Yeah. It's yeah. shocking. It's yeah. shocking. It's, yes. shocking. it's and an abuse. Mo- totally. Well, and there's yeah. more. But wait, yeah. <laughs> but wait, <laughs> there's, there's more. more. <laughs> it's so egregious. It's so
3: egregious. He took Dustin Hoffman took it on himself to." Like we said, to get the response he thought the actor should be given, to make sure little Justin Henry is crying authentically oh, when God. he falls off the monkey bars. And you guys, it is a shot that is a second on screen. A fraction of a, a second. A fraction of a second yes. on the screen. Dustin Hoffman leaned close to him and told him he'd never see all the crew members again that had become such good friends with. Also in other scenes, to get him to make sure he would cry, cry he'd tell him to imagine losing his beloved dog.
0: Imagine... Imagine I mean,
3: Sparky dies. I don't know if that was it's the same. Like, you Sparky. remember all
0: these stories about the little rascals and how abusive it was? This is exactly mm-hmm. the same as the little rascals. Mm-hmm. I don't like knowing this. This is like this I is agree. like the
3: time um, right. my friend, my college roommate, worked at Disneyland and told me what Space Mountain looked like with the lights on. Oh, jeez. I don't want to know this. I don't want to know. Right. I, I don't want to know this about Dustin Hoffman. His most dangerous move, though, was the scene towards the end of the movie when Ted and Joanna are at the table in the restaurant. Uh, She's come back. She's meeting with him. She's going to tell him, you know, she wants um, um, Billy back. He quietly made sure the cameraman had his wine glass in the shot. And at the end, when Ted gets up to stalk out, unscripted, he smacked the glass and it shattered against the brick wall. Watch the movie, everyone. It shattered against the brick wall, raining glass bits into Meryl's hair. She jumps in the scene. That's real. That is a real reaction because that she had no idea he was gonna do that. Apparently, they yell cut. She says, Next time you do that, I'd appreciate you letting me know. It's really out.
0: it's a it's a form of not trusting your fellow actors oh, to use their yeah. craft. As uh-huh. if everything is dependent on me and I have to surprise right. you to elicit something real instead of depending on your skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Again, though, I wish I didn't know it. I oh, know totally. Because I know
2: to your point, Kristen. Yes, it's method acting. I, I understand that. It's but why don't you say something like, "Can you channel your grief into you know that you're feeling right, right now?" Or like I think of Michael Landon and the way Melissa has shared with us how he got her to cry. Mm-hmm. It was very fatherly and gentle. I mean, could, mm-hmm. he's, he's become, guiding her. Yes, yeah. exactly. He'd tell why? her he loved her. Yeah, but again, to your point. Kristen, it's not trusting your fellow actor yeah. and thinking yeah. that you're you run the show. Mm-hmm. So that's what got me, and that there was just no consent. Like next time, tell me you're going to smash the glass. That was just. Very abusive. I mean, the slap. The slap is like... He can, slapped a woman I mean, the, in the face. the career is mm-hmm. all, you know, yes. gone because he went up and slapped so you just You don't do that. It's physical. You can call the police for that. You could. <laughs> yeah. So how cocky was Dustin Hoffman to think that... Cocky is the word. Ugh. That is exactly yeah. uh-huh.
0: right. He, he thought this was his movie and what he said went and he was going to go to extremes yes. to make it good, even if it was abusive of people. The idea of him whispering in a little six-year-old's ear that you're never going to see these people again, all of these people that have become your friends, mm-hmm. you're never going to see mm-hmm. them again. How can you do that to a child and watch that child weep? But right. you know that he, when the child's weeping, he's like, sweet, I did it. Yeah, and right, then he just right? gets up and walks away. He's like, yeah, oh, right, inflicting
2: pain on someone. It's yes. Just, so wouldn't maybe- you love
0: to um, talk to Justin Henry? I would like to talk to him and ask, because that's trauma. That's a traumatic what? thing that happened to him, and I would like to ask him, what are your memories of that movie, and how do you feel about how they elicited emotion from you? And It's it's sociopathic, if you really think about it. Uh-huh. Who's going to read me my
1: bedtime stories? Mommy will. You're not going to kiss me tonight anymore, are you, Dad? No, I, w- I won't be able to do that. But, you know,
2: I'll I get to visit. It's going to be okay. Really.
0: I don't like it. Ew.
2: What do you mean if you don't like it? You're going to have a great time with Mom. Really, she loves you so much. Dad? Huh?
1: Don't we'll forget, if you can just call me up, okay?
2: We're going to be okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Come on, let's go get some ice cream. When they cast uh, Justin Henry in the um part of Billy, as we remember from the movie, he's blonde, he does not look anything like Dustin Hoffman, right. and Dustin Hoffman was like, "Oh no, like this kid is supposed to look like me. I mean, like how cocky is that? It uh, takes a sperm right? and an egg like there're two people that make the baby. Why you think this child has to look <laughs> like you um and I'm curious if he ever kind of got over it, and I love the reasoning behind why they cast Justin Henry. It was that he would be to um to Ted. The constant reminder of yeah. Joanna. He looked more yeah. like Joanna, so he would, so he would his see mom. her um, yeah. when he looked at Justin.
3: Well- and there's just a, a lot of little other tidbits too. I mean, the woman who was originally cast to play the neighbor, Margaret, he made her so uncomfortable oh, and, he, right. and he he chastised yeah. her so much for making sure she knew her lines and she delivered them the correct way that she developed a stutter and oh she couldn't even gosh. say her lines. So they replaced her with someone who had worked with him on All the President's that's Men. That's PTSD. That the is. first time she, he she walked in- PTSD. Yeah, this woman w- didn't even get to be in this Oscar yeah. w- movie because she's right. because of him. Mm-hmm. When he first walked into the set of his apartment, he said, "This isn't what it should look like," and the set decorators had to completely redo it.
2: God, sounds, sounds like Diva. a little bit of a tyrant. It was
0: very interesting watching this as an adult now, because although we were all Team Ted, as an adult, I could watch Ted now, and I did, and I'm not. Team Ted, I have a great deal of respect for how he overcame his difficulties, but it was 1979 and I was able to see his misogyny. I was able to see his bullying of women. I was able to see how he stands just too, too close to women, how he's too familiar, how he touches them in ways that are would not be comfortable for me. There's a scene where he, when he finally gets a job, he walks through a party and he grabs a woman and he kisses her on the lips and then lets her go and keeps going today. That would be called assault. But back then, it was like, he was celebrating. I'm so happy. I'm just going to kiss this woman on the lips. But that was Ted Kramer, and it was also Dustin Hoffman. I have the power I mean, yeah. uh, it might be a little short man's complex. I was just well, going to say, say that, that but I didn't want to. <laughs> I I'm going to grab this power and I'm going to wield it with all of its heft because if I don't, nobody will pay attention to me. And it's all in service of my art. So all of this that we're saying about him, I'm sure he doesn't give a fig because he's going to say, I don't know, man, five
2: Oscars. Well, and I think, too, we could say it was 1979. I mean, yes. we weren't mm-hmm. really reacting and maybe our moms weren't even really no, you know, I don't reacting so. like that's – that's just the way it is, oh, you know. That's yeah. when Think of all the our ba- we... bra straps were getting, you know, flicked in school sure. and all of oh, that. Yeah. So it um, it was reflective of the time. Sure, his character, but also that you could do that, and everyone's like, "Yeah, guys get to do that." Yeah, no worries.
0: Yeah, like he he kisses this woman on his way out from being offered a job. Nowadays, if you kissed a woman like that on your way out from being offered that job, that offer would be rescinded. <laughs> right? You'd Wait. never get a job again. Okay, you so this is
3: this is a good place for me to bring up this question. Brian and I just because of how familiar he was with Margaret the neighbor, he was rubbing her back. He was like, yeah. "We we are convinced isn't she his sister?" We're like, "She must be a sister." She, no. And Brian goes, I, neighbor. Think she, I think he said something at the beginning like sis." And I was like, "Brian, everything I just read said the the role of the neighbor. It would have said the role of Ted's sister. He right. he he massages her neck. Yeah. They're very. They're, they're always very arm close. in arm. He yes. kisses her on the
0: forehead. Yes. Yeah. They and stand so too close. Is, it's that standing too close thing. I'm like get so, out of my personal bubble. The way
3: yeah. he touches her and hugs her close and rubs her back. Mm-hmm. You think? Well, she's
2: obviously his sister. Oh, but see, I didn't think that at all. I was thinking. I hope they get together. I oh that ish, that, no! You know, like that no. was my happy ending at the end of the movie. Mm-mm, is that they? I know. Mm-mm. Isn't that awful? I was I no, that's not how much not I loved. Awful. That's how much I loved that his Dustin's character. I wanted yeah. him to have a happy ending, and in my mind, that meant you know being married and having a wife that you know you loved, and she loved you, and you had these kids, and you go to the park, and yeah. Well, and
3: again, let's look at like you know you said you you haven't liked Meryl Streep for so long, and we're like credit to Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. We love Dustin Hot. Huh? I mean, like. He, even knowing all of this, I read all of this stuff before I watched it last week. And during the movie, I'm, again, oh, like, what sure. a good
0: dad. Yeah, oh, right. he's such a good dad. There are some really interesting things about how this movie was made, in addition to the method acting. <laughs> it was shot in sequence of the movie. The way the way you see the movie is how it was, it was shot. Most of the time when you shoot a movie, you it's all dependent on where the sets are and people's schedules. You might shoot the ending first, and then you're going to do the beginning, and then you're going to do the off-location parts and stuff like that. Kramer versus Kramer was shot in sequence because of Justin Henry in order for him to understand what was happening in the story. So they would shoot it in real time and they hoped that this would help him experience the story and feel real emotions instead of acting. And I would say that worked. He oh. would only be given the story or the script one day at a time. He experienced it as if it was happening to him and all of his direction would be coming through Dustin Hoffman, not the director. It was like Dustin Hoffman was his handler. All of those whispered things in his ears, your dog's dying, you know, all of that stuff that came from Dustin Hoffman. And Dustin Hoffman believed that this would then increase their bond on screen. And again, I think it did. <laughs> I think I think you it worked.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't fault the, the the if that's the result you wanted, that was the way to get it. I mean, yeah. you can't mm-hmm. fault that aspect of it.
0: And Vanity Fair says, "Dustin's methods elicited a child performance of uncommon nuance." Then we have the courtroom drama part of the movie the first on the stand is joanna kramer and the director had been struggling with her with joanna's testimony which he saw is absolutely crucial to the movie and he wasn't happy with what he had written for her he actually said i don't think it's a woman's speech i think it's a man trying to write a woman's speech which is what it was. Mm-hmm. It was, And it was important because it was the one chance that Joanna has to make her case to us, the viewing audience, not just for custody of Billy, but really for her own personal redemption. And then by extension, redemption of all of the women who left their marriages in this era. She was really speaking for all the women, right? The stakes were huge. And so he asked Meryl to think about it. She misunderstood him. And she thought he was asking her to rewrite the testimony. So on shooting day, she hands him some papers. She's like, here's the script. And at first, he's annoyed. He's like, God, now we're, now I'm going to have to hurt her feelings. We're going to have to rearrange our shooting day. Now she's going to have to learn something different, the ones that I wrote. But then he read it. And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is it. And this just changed the ending of our movie. And Meryl Streep gets
1: to say her piece. Mrs. Kramer. Can you tell the court why you are asking for custody? Because he's my child and because I love him. I know I left my son. I know that that's a terrible thing to do. Believe me, I have to live with that every day of my life. But in order to leave him, I had to believe that it was the only thing I could do and that it was the best thing for him. I was incapable of functioning in that home and I didn't know what the alternative was going to be, so I thought it was not best that I take him with me. However, I've since gotten some help and I have worked very, very hard to become a whole human being. And I don't think I should be punished for that. And I don't think my little boy should be punished. There's another part
0: in that courtroom that is really notable. And it's one of those moments that I think that, not just the three of us, but I think everybody was moved by. We all remember it. It's the smallest of gestures, and we were all moved by it. So in cross-examination, Dustin Hoffman's lawyer is very cruelly grilling Joanna, And he's asking her about the longest relationship she's ever had, which is Ted Kramer. And he said, oh, so you're a failure at the longest relationship you've ever had. Now, prior to shooting that, Dustin Hoffman had gone up to her and grilled her in the same way about her dead lover, John Cazale. (sighs) That's the longest relationship you ever had. And you failed him. You failed him. And he directs Meryl Streep to look at him when his asshole lawyer is saying, so you're a failure of the longest relationship you've ever had. And so she's, she tearfully like looks at Dustin Hoffman out of the corner of her eye and Dustin Hoffman shakes his head. No, any mouse word? No, no, you weren't. And what he was trying to do was reassure Meryl Streep. No, you weren't a failure with John Cazale. I'm just doing that to try and elicit this from you. You're okay. You're all right but the director catches it and he's like wait 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 you just you just created a moment in this film so they they play it again they do it exactly the same and this becomes a moment and when Ted in which Ted Kramer is saying to Joanna you are not a failure as a mother you did not fail him and it tr- it changes your feelings it breaks your heart right open mm-hmm. yes and he's just shaking his head and mouthing yes. the word no that's all
2: yeah, that was a moment. I I've got yeah. to say that might have been my one little moment of feeling some empathy yeah. for um, Joanna's character um, and those attorneys. Just the way they grill both of them, you know, yeah. you just aching for her her to look at him and him yes. to assure her you were not a failure. I
3: feel like that whole scene, just their nuanced their their expressions mm-hmm. and their emotion that they convey without saying anything, both yeah. of them. That's that's the Oscar moments right there of the don't whole movie. Don't you wonder?
0: I agree. Don't you wonder how many people were sitting in the in the audience considering leaving their spouses? Oh, 50%? 50% right, of probably. them. And and what did that scene convince them of doing? Don't, yeah. Who, right? right. Is this will be too much it's too mm-hmm. painful I can't yeah. do it. How many mm-hmm. people stayed because they were revealing the horror of a custody battle. Right. Mm-hmm. It was really quite awful. The cultural impact of this movie was huge. And it's also a story about the Oscars and feminism and the children of the Gen X era. Kramer versus Kramer was nominated for nine Academy Awards and it won five, including Best Picture... Best Actor for Dustin Hoffman, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay, Meryl Streep won Best Supporting Actress against Barbara Berry for the movie Breaking Away, Um, Candace Bergen from the movie Starting Over, and not one, but two of her co-stars from other movies she had been in this year. So, Mariel Hemingway from Woody Allen's Manhattan, and her co-star in Kramer vs. Kramer, Jane Alexander, who is The Neighbor. Um, eight-year-old Justin Henry was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and he became the youngest Oscar nominee in history. But he lost. And he lost to Melvin Douglas from the movie Being There. Melvin Douglas was 71 years older than <laughs> Justin Henry. He wasn't 71. He was 71 years yeah. older yeah. than 77 Justin Henry. Or
3: 78,
0: yeah. And apparently um, Justin Henry was so sad had so much despair about oh. losing his Oscar that he was crying, sobbing inconsolably, and somebody called over Christopher Reeve to see if he could console him. Superman. Superman. They yeah. thought maybe Superman can help him. Well, shoot, that's
3: what Dustin Hoffman should have done when he fell off the monkey bars. He should have said, "Imagine <laughs> yes, you're nominated right. for the Oscar and you
0: lose <laughs> right. to a really old man." <laughs> right. And then. At the end of the night, Charlton Heston comes out, he announces the winner for Best Picture. It was a Kramer versus Kramer sweep of all of the big major awards. This is when I ran out of my bedroom where I was watching the Academy Awards on my 13 inch black and white portable Panasonic TV, which I had pulled into my bedroom, and I shouted to my family Kramer versus Kramer is the winner! Kramer (laughs) versus Kramer is the winner! And I don't really think they cared. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I did not get the response that I was looking for, but it was really, really important to me. So it was after this sweep, this major announcement, when everybody leaves the stage and, you know, they go to the little place, the little stage where the reporters are asking them questions. This is where it gets a little bit dicey. So the columnist Rona Barrett, you remember Rona Barrett, everybody, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? She remarked that many women, particularly feminists, feel this picture was a slap to them. And Dustin Hoffman does not like that. Of course, he's the first to speak. He said, that wasn't said at all. That wasn't said at all. He said, I can't stop people from feeling what they're feeling, but I don't think everyone feels that way. So they are scrapping back and forth, Rona Barrett and Dustin Hoffman, when Meryl Streep comes running back up to the stage. And I love this. She says, here comes a feminist. (laughs) She's like, get out of my way, asshole. Last time I checked, you don't have a vagina. So let me speak. (laughs)
3: And if you did, it would be tiny. Sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Meryl Streep says, I don't feel that's true at all. I feel that the basis of feminism is something that has to do with the liberating men and women from prescribed roles. And I have to tell you that for me, as a sixth grader, that's how I viewed this movie. Why was I team Ted? Not because I was anti-Joanna, but I felt that people were not giving Ted the credit that he deserved for doing what people thought of as women's work, that his child was taken away from him because he was a man. And that wasn't Mm -hmm. fair that, that Joanna won the custody battle because she's a woman. And that's not fair. So I felt it to be a movie about gender roles and how we depend on them. No matter what the truth may be, it wasn't fair that Joanna got custody when the truth was that Ted had become the better parent at that moment in time. I took that to be a form of feminism, Mm -hmm. even though the woman is supposedly the villain. It spoke to me personally about how people will try to put me in a box because I am a woman or a sixth grade girl, and that this story can also be reversed. And none of it is
2: okay. None right. of it is okay. No, right. I think that's the best definition of feminism, what she says right there. It has Hell, to do- Mic drop, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Liberating men and women from prescribed mm-hmm. roles. Exactly. Mic drop. Yeah. However,
3: I mean, I'll go back to saying, like, the whole feminism aspect of this movie was completely lost on me in 1979, probably again in 1980, 81, 82, <laughs> um, because I'm putting myself in Billy's shoes, right? Yeah, um, right. But watching it now, and especially after reading the article and thinking about it with this feminism lens, and knowing what the director and especially what Meryl were trying to portray, I can see her view on this. And everything you said, Kristen, I'm nodding my head totally in agreement with. However... Once you throw Billy into it, how he's feeling about losing his mom, how he, oh my gosh, how much I could relate to hiding the photo of mom in the drawer. And um, I mean, my goodness, um, Ted got a million points in my mind for taking it back out and putting it on um, his nightstand when he found it. But in this movie, they've made the child, in most of these stories we hear, human to us. And so- That's why I can never get fully on board with it because we know this child now. We see this child and we see how it's, how it's impacted him. So again, like I've said earlier, it's way too muddy and complicated for me to to pick a true stance on. I just can't. Because a child could never pick
0: either. And I remember at the time thinking, why don't they just ask Billy? Why do they have to... Why The judge doesn't know these people. Why don't they just ask Billy? But the truth is, Billy doesn't have an answer either. Right. Because Billy doesn't want to be taken away from his father. But that moment when he sees Joanna for the first time in right. 18 months, and he's running to his mother... In Central Park, they're run I'm gonna start crying right now. It's and he beautiful. leaps into her arms. He doesn't wanna be apart from her. Well, he can't choose either.
3: And can I tell you personal experiences when my dad, um, the summer of seventy nine but like in the summer of 79, and my dad tells my sister and I that he's going to, we're going to go to court and he wants us to come and live with him and my stepmom full time. And how would we like that? Would we like that? I loved my daddy, you guys. I loved him more than anything. I only got to saw, see him a couple times a year. The thought though of not living with my mother broke me into a million pieces, but I couldn't say that to daddy because oh, I don't want to disappoint daddy. So of course I nod my head. Yes, that would be fine. I'm 10, but my sister's 13 and a half. So what he tells my sister is that she's old enough that the judge is going to take her in to the office and he's going to ask her, oh who God. do you want to live with? And so my sister then has this extra weight oh and God, responsibility on her. So I, again, I, I've been there, you guys, and it's, um, it's a horrible thing for a child. You so when you win. said, could they put Billy... on. No, No. they shouldn't. Because Mm -hmm. look at Billy, look from what you just said, the way he ran to her after, what's he going to say if he says, mommy, I'm going to disappoint daddy who's now. But if I say daddy, that's my mommy. So as a child, I've been there and you are torn. Like I said, I'm still broken. I'm still torn in two from that experience that I had. So it's, it's it is it's a messy, there are no messy situation. Winners. Well, no. right. There and, are no winners. And
2: we as um as a society just are so binary. Like it has to be yeah. your team Joanna or your team Ted. And you know, even asking a child, whether it's your sister or Billy, like it's one or the other, there's no in between. And I feel like that's where it gets so difficult for so many of us on so many topics. It's like you almost have to choose a side when, no, there's so much that goes into that. And why can't it be, again, a both and? And why can't we get and look at the hard stuff and talk about it and dissect it? And it's going to be hard. Like That's the thing we don't want. It's like, we don't want the pain. We don't want the hard. We're like, just pick one side and forget the other. And I think that's the just the foundation of Just so much uh, heartache and just the difficulty of where we even are right now, whether it's politics and relationships, whatever.
0: The one place where um, this was something I didn't know in 1979, but I have a very visceral feeling of it now. And so when I watch the movie now, it changes a little bit of how I see Dustin Hoffman. Um, There was another critic who saw the movie who was sort of um, in line with Rona Barrett. And she said leaving the theater with her teenage daughter, she felt manipulated. By the movie, and she was angry, and Mm -hmm. she said, why do we applaud the noble self-sacrifice of Ted Kramer when the same thing is merely expected of Joanna? Mm -hmm. For 18 months, he learns how to be a parent when Joanna was there for the bulk of his life and is just expected to have that relationship with the child. And... She even says it. Joanna says it on the stand. Like, I was his mommy for five and a half years. Ted did it for 18 months. How is he more deserving than me?
1: Billy's only seven years old. He needs me. I'm not saying he doesn't need his father. But I really believe he needs me more. I was his mommy for five and a half years. And Ted took over that role for 18 months. But I don't know how anybody can possibly believe that I have less of a stake in mothering that little boy than Mr. Kramer does. I'm his mother. I'm his mother.
0: This movie is about children of the Gen X era. It really is. It's a hallmark. It's a harbinger of the Gen X future. This speaks to us as a generation. It is one of the reasons we are the latchkey generation, the neglected generation. And we have a guest who's going to tell
2: us why. We are so excited to continue this discussion next week with author Priscilla Gilman, whose relationship with Kramer versus Kramer is so strong that she included it in her memoir, The Critic's Daughter.
3: Yeah, and as The only one of the three of us who is a child of divorce, this book probably hit me in a different way than it did you two. However, regardless of if you're a child of divorce or not, this book is so relatable because at its core, it's a memoir, it's a story about growing up and your often complicated relationship with your parents and your father in
2: particular. Yeah. And that's, um, speaking of relationships with fathers, that's what really touched me about Priscilla's book. So, again, regardless of whether you are actually a child of divorce, there's some deep um, meaning and moments in this book that struck me. I told Kristen and Michelle just um it was the first time that somebody put into words certain feelings that I'd had and experiences with my dad, and I thought, oh my gosh, it wasn't just me who did this. Uh-huh. And it really, it hit me in the core. So um, this book is amazing, and Priscilla was amazing, and I'm so glad we had the chance to, um, to chat with her. Yeah. So thank you all so much for listening today, and we can't wait to continue this discussion with you all next week. Today's episode was brought to you by... Barbara, Charles, Jody, Jill, Sean, Melissa, Lorna, and Kristen, Carolyn, and Michelle. Because guess <laughs> what? We have patron three patrons named Kristen, Carolyn,
3: and Michelle. <laughs> oh, stop it! <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that's right. Amazing. We I think one of our newest patrons is Carolyn. Carolyn. Another yes. Carolyn. So thank Thanks, you, Carolyn. Yeah, thank you, Kristen. And Michelle. Well, these are just some of the listeners who support the PCPS with their Patreon memberships and one-time donations. Just like your parents sent money to PBS so they could enjoy that Peter, Paul, and Mary concert, these are the people who make contributions so we can bring you these weekly episodes. If you'd like to join them, visit
0: our website at
3: poppreservationists.com.
0: In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company, Two good times. Two happy days. To
2: Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. Cheers.